Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting lost in space yet another time. Oh, the pay. Danger, real weapons in danger. This week, we are continuing our prior uh, discussion on how to make the best space game. And what we're talking about is, is you know, is... And it, it differs because of the platform. Uh, if you're doing a, a, a space game that's on a computer, it's going to be based upon the resources available to you and the talent of your programmers. Uh, and, of course, whatever the so-called you know shirts think is marketable. Uh, and then there's board games, which usually have a very limited focus of, we're, you know, we're trying to raise money by mining the asteroids, we're going to engage in, in some kind of uh, negotiation, you know, using cards or some kind of, you know, whatever thing you want to do. Or it might even be as simple as uh, let's design aliens and have them fight each other in some kind of uh, free-for-all uh, throwdown kind of situation with, uh, you know, rock'em, sock'em alien robots. So what else can we find out there, Travis? Well, we, we did cover this. Abandon and erect ships for capture or salvage. Yeah, you either see it in the system as you enter the system, or because it's enough of a mass in that area, your hyperdrive drops you out of hyperspace, and, oh, we're in the middle of a, you know, this, we're on the edge of this massive space graveyard, for lack of a better word. Right. And, yeah, you just find... Oh my god, there's half a light year of ships of all sizes, ranging from fighters and drones to capital starships. And oh look, there's a planet cracker, yeah. And you can just, depending on what type of ship you have, you could, I mean, if you've got, oh, what's the term I'm looking for here, like ore processing type, I mean, you could be just stripping these ships down and just in your your manufacturing hold, oh look, we have new chemical stores from will be good for decades because we right. stripped that that well, wing of fighters that was laying out there you know? right well the, you know that was what i meant when i i, I said the uh, wreckage fields you know where they're but what what i was trying to get to with this item was where you find a ship that was actually useful that actually could possibly be turned into a functional ship like ah. add in a few you repair a few wires on it and it's you got a new ship for your armada or you might find that there's, a, there's like a, a group of people that have been trapped on this ship for the past 100 years, uh, and uh, they've gotten to the point now where they're, you know, feeding their elderly into the uh, fusion drive to keep the, pow- the lights going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a call out to uh, um, uh, orphans in, uh, of the, in the sky. Yeah, you from- find out that they've adopted this whole culture and they've degenerated and yeah, after five generations now, they don't remember. They they hear stories that at one time they were a mighty warrior race, and now they're just on this ship, and 
as I said, feeding their elderly to the fusion core, yeah. And it's now ritualistic and everything, and yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, you can find all, and, and they've done that with like space stations and, and other things like that. So, of course, the, the, the granddaddy of it all um, is, uh, again, it was pretty much ripped off of Orphans in the Sky, but there was a Canadian show uh, called Star Lost, where uh, they had a ship that had these gig- ginormous pods, the uh, 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 envirodomes or whatever, each with a different kind of, uh, oh, uh, a different ecology. Bio, uh, bio yeah. but it's a different ecology in each one of them. And the ship, however, was disabled because for reasons that were never explained. And the people in the show, they, were, they escaped from one of the biomes and they were trying to find their way to uh, the uh, some control station so they could try to first understand what it was that they were on and secondly, how to get it to where it's supposed to go rather than keep continuing to float through space forever. So... Uh, Anyways, it's I mean, so you could go small, as in you find a an you know a, a, a either an abandoned ship that could that uh, with some work could still be working. Once inhabited, uh, uh, by people who basically thought that nobody was ever going to find them, and it, it could, be, could be larger, all the way up to an entire civilization that uh, might not even realize that they're on a spaceship. Yeah. You know, I I have uh, I have climbed the mountain and touched the sky, the the uh, Star Trek episode. So uh, so yeah, you can find you know, and and of course you know the ships can be uh, uh, either you can take get them going well enough that you can get them back to the nearest space station and sell it as a fixer upper, which is going to be worth a lot more to you than you know something where it's just basically you would have stripped it down for its uh, its its elements, uh, or you could actually fix it up. It could actually be an improvement over your existing ship, especially if it has a few unique items in it, like the star crystal drive that no one's ever seen before. But yet, it has these. You know, it gives you the ability to make an emergency space jump if you're ever in really dire situations. Or what was that thing that they used in? Uh, uh, Oh, the the Star Trek parody uh, with uh, the guy from uh, Home Improvement and and Sigourney Weaver. Galaxy Quest, oh, Galaxy yeah, the Omega Thirteen, the, the yeah. Omega Thirteen. Yeah, maybe it's got an Omega Thirteen in it. Nobody knows how to make it work, but you can't take it out of the ship. So if you want to know, you're going to have to fix the ship up and use it. <laughs> so adding mystery, I like I like games that have a certain amount of mystery. I don't like them to have mystery about how to do things. I like mystery like, you know, like, well, you know, there's something to be learned by going here or there. Or, you know, if you uh, if, if, if you get these parts, it might, you know, it, it, it's you might unlock new features or things like that. You know, that's that's always good. You know, and that, and that kind of falls into the uh, uh, the munchkin of. Uh, a uh, space game with the banana, banana, fana, fa phaser. <laughs> you you know how to say it, Trav. Maser, baser, bull baser, banana, fana, full phaser. Dot, right, dot, but dot. you just oh, keep building. Dude. You just keep enhancing. <laughs> <laughs> and you find you finally you pull it out in combat, and everyone just 
you know, there's a card in the deck of Steve Woolett's uh, drama deck that says, oh, people, yeah. people just look at you and they're just boggled and they don't do anything <laughs> for, a, uh, for a full round. Nobody attacks you. Nobody moves. It's just basically you have a full round to do whatever you want because everybody's just, everybody, including your, your size, a gog. And what you just yanked out, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Bruce, much, you, you do realize and, and folks, Steve Wallet is, is an old dear for you newer listeners. Steve Wallace is, is one of, uh, Blix, our former fellow co-host, one of his old buddies from the old days, original gaming group. Bruce and I got to see Steve, what? All four years you and I went to Gen Con, yeah. uh, 2012 through 15. Yeah. And he did this thing called a drama deck. I still haven't downloaded that thing. I need to get that, print that out, put it in card sleeves, and use it for my game. Because it works. Steve had one printed out on decent card stock. And I forget what game he ran, but I got to use it. And I'm like, it's a thing. This works. Yeah. yeah. And you can use it in any genre. Well, he had an original print run where he actually had decks of those cards and he sold them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, gave me yeah. he gave me his proto deck. So oh. which has all the misspellings in it and some of the really weird <laughs> really weird cards. Those are some cards that basically really probably shouldn't have been in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Blix provided all this uh art for it, some of it from Poser and well, some, yeah. Well, yeah, some yeah. of it he actually did. And uh, just some really crazy stuff. But anyways, the point was, is that that was one of the cards that was in there was everybody, you do something so stupid that everybody just looks at you for a whole, you know, a whole round of, of, of game time. And, uh, you know, whatever is a normal round in your game and doesn't do anything because they're just trying to get over what they just saw, just trying to process it. So, uh yeah, I always uh, I always thought that maybe the uh uh the the that thing inside of, of the ship in Galaxy Quest. My, but then it turns out, you know, it was something else. Uh anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. Go see the movie. It's a great movie. And it's I think very my, very funny. One of my friends who is who is like a huge Trek fan said it is the best Star Trek movie made. It really is. Oh, Galaxy <laughs> Oh, Galaxy yeah. Quest. Yes, it was yeah, I mean, say what you want about Tim Allen, what you know we've all found out about him recently. That movie just, I mean, they put out a, a Never Retreat, Never Surrender. It is the 20-year documentary of Galaxy Quest, and you've got the actors talking about it and what it was for them, and sadly, Alan Rickman passed away by the time this came out because it just came out earlier this year. But, oh no, from what I hear, it was wonderful. And that's what it is called: never, tr- never retreat, never surrender. But yeah, it 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 what it could be considered a Star Trek film, just because. Oh, it was. It definitely it had it, it just, ru- just rub like, off the just, ru- just yeah, like rub lower, off the serial numbers, right? Just like um, Orville is is clearly a Star Trek show. Yeah. Well, we well, I mean, we also know Seth MacFarlane's a huge geek, so he did that as I don't consider it a mockery or a spoof. I consider, and I haven't seen it just from the little bits I've seen on trailers. It's an homage. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not parody. It's yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It is parody until you find out that that they like that everybody liked it so much they Star Trek stole it. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah, that fair. whole thing where you know the alien you know just basically got you know was seducing everybody. 
They did that on Star Trek after that. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like going, oh come on, you you guys are you guys are literally stealing from Seth MacFarlane. All right. Uh, of course, a lot of a lot, um, you know people who steal stuff or are smugglers of things. A lot a lot of times they'll go and uh, they'll create staging areas you know, for their, uh, their ships where they'll like bring in a freighter full, and it says, I'm not going to go in and bring this into the starport because they're going to find it and I'm going to get fined or I'm going to, they take my ship away. He says, well, no, you don't have to do that. Just take it and drop it off on this, this asteroid, you know, and here's the coordinates to it. And, uh, the asteroid's gravity is micro, but it's enough to hold everything there and just drop the cargo there. Come on in. And we'll pay you, and then we'll send our ships out as miners, you know, to uh, harvest the uh, material and bring it back in, and everybody wins. So you can have, uh, uh, you can have caches of uh, technology, caches of minerals, caches of uh, trade goods might be out there somewhere. You know, not just that people literally put there because they. Uh, you know, they they were afraid of, uh, you know, just like uh, in Star Wars, you know, even, uh, you know, uh, he says a, a, a smuggler who jettisons his cargo at the first sign of Imperials, he says, even I get boarded from time and again. Well, if you're going to jettison your cargo, would you, wouldn't it be a smart thing to jettison somewhere where you could find it again? Yeah. Well, I mean, just go back to the nav computer and retrace your steps and, oh, yeah, here's the cargo I left. What do you mean it's gone? Who? It, oh, son of a... Yeah. Because somebody else might yeah, be out it, there finding it. <laughs> yeah, basically scavengers, scroungers, people doing mass re, uh, mass readings with their sensors. Other miners. Oh, we found this in the middle. Yeah, Real right, miners right. who just happen yeah, to come across yeah. your cash. Yeah. That's where you put That's where you put all the tags over your thing, you know. You know, the death skulls. Just put the stencil that all over yeah. your container. So they says, No, I don't want to get I don't want to get the the death skulls bad at me. I'm just gonna leave this stuff alone. Yep. Dangerous yep. viral contaminants. Oh well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. This is you know put biohazard signs all over them. Yeah. Well it didn't it didn't stop them from opening the containers and return to the living dead. Well we got these three things down these three uh tubs down in the basement you know they've been there for 20 years whatever like that you know he says they never came for them he says, don't you ever wonder what's in there no <laughs> it says it's not my job it yeah. says don't open them it's got big bio signs on the outside oh it can't be still dangerous let's see if what's they in there want them, why should i want them oh wait a minute hold it we have to say it Oh come on! What's the worst that could happen? Uh -huh. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, we know what happened. They didn't listen to the one scientist saying, "Don't do it, don't do it," and then they all look at him, going, "Why didn't you tell us?" And he looks like that's when he that's when he pulls it. out his gun and just shoots them. Well, no, he gives that look before he helps them out. In my mind, I've killed you each five times already. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I, I I know that uh, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I went to public school. It was it wasn't good. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. There were people. There are people that that if uh, if it, you know if I hadn't hadn't become a Christian, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Oh no, as I said, real quick, I remember the one time your wife told me there is a person who shall remain unnamed. If they were to both walk into the room, Bruce would be the one that leave. And I'm just looking at your wife at Gen Con, like 2012. What? Him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Mr. Sheffer, you know of who I speak. Mm-hmm. Yes, just... Yeah, and just uh, still, just... Yeah. <laughs> to this day, I've known you, man, 20 years, not seeing it. Just <laughs> All right, so... Uh, and of course... You can always find somebody who doesn't like you out there in space. Millions of light years, and I had to find you here. Really? Yeah. 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 You, I mean, I, I, I could have, you know, I, I could have miss, literally missed you by a light year, but yet here you are in front of me. What's that line from Casablanca? And all the star systems and all the galaxy, I had to find you here. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you have to walk into my bar? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, because... Uh, you know, it always seems in, 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 in these games that, you know, if the, if, if the GM thinks the game is slowed down or something like that, all of a sudden something warps, some, some enemy warps out of wherever, and you've got to deal with it. So, uh, and of course, if you've got, you know, it could be fun. It's, you know, it's a nice little mini game of, of uh, you know, just like random encounters in D&D. You know, he says, oh, you come across the scurvian, you know, Armada, you know, they, uh, they're, there's, uh, dreads, you know, there's destroyers, there's, uh, 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 fighter launchers, there's even one that's like a giant nuke, okay? Of course, they're all the size of footballs, <laughs> which is why the, the entire Armada <laughs> is smaller than your ship, but they're coming for you, so what are you going to do? And now I'm reminded of Star Trek Beyond with, Oh, yes, these creatures, and they are going to eat us! And he screams, and you realize he's about the size of a four-square ball. <laughs> exactly. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is the big threat, really? No, when there's about 90 of them, that's when they get nasty. Right. Yeah. Yes, and, and of course, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, the uh, a particular fleet tore through intergalactic space you know, coming after the people that caused their destruction and all that was left was them. And Yamada arrives on Earth and due to a tragic uh, difference in scale was swallowed by a small duck. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was so wonderful for those kinds of, you know, uh, things where they're just out of nowhere. You know, just the wackiness. That. It was very wacky. All right. So, uh, so yeah, you know, enemies could be friends. Can make them friends, you know. Uh, if you just happen to have that relic on your ship that uh, every that uh, their entire race has been looking for, suddenly you could become their new best friend. Uh, or sometimes you can buy them off. Sometimes uh, you can just drop cargo, and they're like, "Okay, we're fine. We'll just stay here to clean this up while you go on your business." Okay, but sometimes they want your they want your ship because your ships, in a lot of cases, in a lot of games is the most valuable thing you have. And they feel the same way. So at which point it's like, do they want your ship as cargo, as, as salvage, or are they going to come busted in? Are we going to give a, a, a force breach, ship-to-ship combat, you know, space, space marines, you know, and, other, and, and that kind of cool stuff. Uh, you know, do you like that in your games, uh, Jonathan? Uh... Depending on the game, but yeah, it's always like um, when I'm playing the um, computer game FTL, 
I usually I like to specialize in boarding enemy ships because it's just so much fun to teleport my robot minions over to their ship and wreck their shields and destroy all their crew. Uh-huh. Well, uh because in the video game uh uh Starpoint Gemini Warlords, uh they've come out with 3 since then, but Warlords was probably the best version of what they had before when you decided that you wanted to uh uh you could to board another ship. First of all, your transporter because they use transporters, could only transmit so many people at a time. And you had to have so many mercenaries on your ship. The bigger the ship, the more mercenaries there were, generally speaking. Okay, so once you transmitted them over, they appeared in the engine room. And, and so they would have to fight their way through the engine room, and the defense is there, losing people. And uh, But if they did that, that meant that, you, that meant the ship couldn't get away, because they would you know, they, they, they would have lost their engines, you know. And then you move into, you know, another section of the ship until, and another, I think there were four sections. You had to fight your way through four sections. And at any point along the way, you could stop and say, okay, I'm running out of people, uh, pull back. At which point you would then get salvage that you managed to pick up along the way. You know, even though you lost soldiers, you might have still picked up you know, various things. And when they pulled back, they pulled back resources, you know, from the ship's hold and other places that you'd gotten to. You managed to get all the way to the, uh, to the, the bridge. Then, you know, that's the final battle. That's, that's where if you, you have to have enough people to take the bridge. If you manage to take the bridge, then you've captured the ship. And now you can take the ship, tractor it back to a starport. And, or actually right there, you can just strip the ship entirely if you want, or you can swap ships, say, I'm going to take over the ship, and it's going to be my, I'm going to be, it's going to be my personal ship now, and then I'll just tractor my old ship along and sell it for salvage or keep it in, you know, in storage at the nearest star base. So they had this whole thing that they had going, and, and, and uh, you know, you could send reinforcements, uh, because like I said, the ship would your transporters could send X amount, then you'd send more and send more until you ran out, okay? But the less people you sent, the more people died because the defenders weren't being outnumbered. So it was a lot, and of course, the bigger the ship you go after, the bigger, the, the more people are defending. So, you know, at the beginning of the game, if you tried to do that, you were going after fighters or little, little uh, uh, transports and things like that and running if you, you know, if you saw a big ship coming at you, but later on in the game, you could actually go to the point where you were having your uh, uh, aircraft carrier-sized uh, ship uh, taking a taking over a destroyer of, of an enemy. So that was that was cool to do that. I thought I thought they did a really cute little mini game with that. If you were actually to role play that out, that would take like probably multiple sessions of you fighting your way through these ships. Unless, of course, you just literally want to just, you know, roll some dice and, uh, you know, toss some cards or whatever whatever methods you have in your game. But I really like that. I like the fact that you were able to, if you wanted to, or, and they would try to do it to you, uh, you people would try to board you. Because then you get to really find out what kind of resources, you know, it makes sense to have all those resources, all that extra plating, all those really good star drives. I mean, not standardized, but shields and and uh, making a really good, you know, making sure your 
your uh, uh, med bay is in, in top rate because then you can get your crew healed up afterwards and uh, get ready for your next encounter. So I liked all that stuff, you know, and uh, I think that's a I think that's really good to have in a game. Do you guys like that? Oh yeah. So Jonathan says yay. Yeah, you yeah, like it, Trav? Yeah, yeah. Because you probably have more experience with this in a role playing situation because you play Starfire. Okay, what is this again? Run this by me. This one is more where time. this is where either you uh, uh, make breaching runs on. You know, basically, you're 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 boarding other ships and taking them over, or people are trying to board your ship and take it over, and you have to defend. Oh, here's the thing. I have never actually. I mean, I've run space battles. I and again, those of you who know me know how long I've been running. You know, GMing. I've never actually done an adventure where a ship has been boarded, unless it's through teleportation or whatever. But we're talking the actual get upside, you somehow link with the ship, burn a hole through the hull, or commandeer their airlock, and a physical boarding? No, I've never done that. I That actually now is something, you know, coming up. Now that, you know, the holiday is past, I might want to do that. Yeah, I've never done that, actually, truth to tell. It's wow. In the, you know... 20, 25 years or so I've been Game Master. Damn. <laughs> Sounds like something you should try out. That's yeah, exactly. And I've got more than a few space campaigns that, you know... And again, thank, sadly, my players don't listen to this. Otherwise, you know, I, I could talk about my games here. None of my players listen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like, ooh. Right. That might not end well. Right. <laughs> For them, right. Well, we've already talked about you know all all, all the various resources you can harvest off of ships that you might take over or such. But you know, oh, yeah. But what we but to return back to our original conversation, one of the main reasons to go onto another ship like that is so you can hack information from it. You can find out about other stellar coordinates. You can get in, important military information, trade information. Uh, you might uh, you might be able to steal AI modules from the other ship and improve the plans your own that ship. the rebels have stolen. Yeah. 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 The the plans for the battle station. Right. Yes. Yes. Or no, there was an episode on Farscape where Dargo was looking for a Luxon Raider. And it was the episode The Flax with him and Stans, the the one uh space scavenger. And yeah, found the memory files for all these star systems for Luxon ships and yeah, so going into a star field and going on board a ship to a star graveyard and going on board a ship to get um even navigational logs still, that's massive information. Because let's say you find this star graveyard and you get these navigation logs and they tell you, oh, look, here's resources, here's other cultures. Because right, every ship came that from somewhere. That could make you a very wealthy person. Yeah, that could make a, a crew very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you have information for all these new navigational routes and what they hold at the end of these routes. It, it, I'll try to Reader's Digest this down. Last night on my show, I did a list of 10 other groups that were in America before Columbus. One of them was... British merchants who found Newfoundland, uh, they were outed out of the, the cod selling market. So they went to Newfoundland, where, of course, they have cod in every drop of water that's around that island. And so they, because they found that new hidden resource, 
you know, they went up along through Iceland, Greenland, down to Nova Scotia and to Newfoundland and were fishing for cod and they were just bringing it back. Well, because, you know, the courts originally outed them, I forget why they were pushed out of the market. Here they come with all this cod. They basically got arrested for illegal, you know, akin to what we would call insider trading today. But it's because they found a new resource by using a little-known navigation route. Doing that in space travel, friends, you can get more than cod. You could find planets with resources. You could find new cultures. Yeah, that's another thing that in a space game would be wonderful. Just a and you come upon a star graveyard. Just navigational charts to new and interesting places and peoples and resources and and other things that just the rest of the galaxy doesn't know about. Yeah, I, I that's something I... The only time I've ever seen that really used is in that one Farscape episode, raiding ship hulks for navigational data. I don't think it's come across any other time. I think... Uh... I mean, Bruce, you might know more about it you two might know about it from books or movies or whatever, but well, like, yeah, the only I said I can't I can't think of anything previous. Um, but I, I, going back to something I mentioned earlier, I know this this game Star Citizen that's in development is supposedly going to have hacking of information and selling the selling of information being another means of obtaining money in that game. Like, oh, I found this wreck. Here's the coordinates to this wreck. If you want it, it'll cost you. Oh, yeah, 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 you could do that, just... Well, see, problem is, if you're selling it, then you're going to get the things of everybody and their grandmother It's going to get out, and, I mean, you got to sell it to, like, you know, the people that you know and trust yeah. that aren't going to blab it, because once they do that, every, every said, every spacer and their grandmother is going to be dealing with, oh, yeah, we found this new place. Oh, thanks a lot, yeah. And so did everybody so much else. for keeping it quiet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the best kept secret. Well, it's not a secret anymore. Not anymore. Thanks yeah. a lot, Bob. Right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's uh, run out of time here. So let's uh, move on to uh, talk a lot more about crafting. Okay. So uh, what you know? What are we trying to achieve when we do crafting? Uh, talk, Jonathan. Um. Usually, one big thing is upgrading your equipment, um, tweaking it. Fine-tuning those lasers so they fire just a little bit further. Um, tweaking the photon torpedoes so they track a little bit better. Sometimes it's it's creating equipment that you don't have. You're not trying to improve something you don't have it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah. There's hmm, like we need we need a new sensor array for that can detect you know artron energy. Exactly. Or uh, we oh, we yes. have these launchers on the ship for torpedoes, but we don't have any of those. You know, may, you know, nobody seems to carry torpedoes for a X-75 class star freighter. I guess we're just going to have to make them ourselves. Check the crew to see how many. Does anybody have a skill in munitions? <laughs> yeah. And the cook says, munitions? That's just like cooking, isn't it? I can do that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and then that's when you look and say, well, we have had his food. Hey! Yeah. I'm standing yeah. right here. And and you know and 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 uh, you know and and it, what it's not called explosive diarrhea for nothing. Oh, see, I went there. I wasn't afraid. I just yeah. All right, uh, but uh, so yeah, I mean, you also can create items for trading. 
Um, you could even make whole ships if you, uh, depending upon how vigorous uh, your crafting is. You know, bases for your, you know, uh, on on various worlds and the components of those bases. Just depends on whether you have the appropriate pieces that you need, or you have the. Uh, uh, in some games, they have blueprints. If you have blueprints, you can make things. If you don't have the blueprints, you have to find someone to buy them from until you can find a way of getting those blueprints or so forth. You know, it's uh, it's one yeah. of those. Uh, and people might, you know, be willing. And in an art role-playing game, it could be like, well, you know, we, uh, we'll trade you like, you know, 500 gallons of fuel oil for... Uh, uh, a blueprint on how to make, um, you know, some kind of mesh that's necessary to renew the, uh, uh, the, the air system so we don't have to uh, keep paying for all those, uh, uh, you know, all, all those filters that we keep seeing to go through so often. So, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, money, uh, information is valuable, and a blueprint is just a collection of information that you could find, steal, buy, you know, otherwise extort, and uh, and and even you know, go to war over. So yeah, I mean that was pretty much yeah. something an incursion where you yeah. know the the replicators, you would buy the blueprints for your replicator, right, to make new food and. Oh yeah, yeah. The replicators, you know, new new recipes in the replicators. Yes, or just the replicators themselves. In um, uh, oh, uh, in uh, I just forgot the name of it. Uh, you're you're about to do a campaign in it, Trav. Uh, the square hardwire hairland. Yeah, they have replicators that you know look like little basically frames with you know amber uh, membrane across it, and you. You, you drop an object through it and it basically programs it to make that object. And then after that, you just keep throwing resources at it. And every so often, you know, it gets enough and boom, another one of those objects falls out. So, you know, having a, uh, having a programmable uh, make, uh, replicator is so much more valuable than one that can only do one thing. But yeah, you certainly could buy those things and such. Uh, now, the one thing I have listed here that... Uh, that I don't see hardly in any game is the ability to build robots to better to perform uh, to bas basically replace crew members or to use in dangerous locations. I mean, sometimes you might have a robot on the ship. You know, you might even be able to buy parts for the robot. But I haven't yet seen a game where they said, "Well, we'll just if you you know you can get this information and you can start building your own robots." and to do whatever you want them to do. And that's something I haven't seen in a lot of games, and I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I can't really say. I mean, the closest thing, the closest game to that I can think of is the um, Duskers game. But even then, you don't get to build the robots. The best you get to do is find robots on these derelict ships you explore or find upgrades for them. But yeah, right. you don't actually get to build your own. Yeah. So there's something that uh, that uh, the the various game people could 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 take a tip from our show about. There's something that isn't being done, or hasn't been done really effectively. So, because I mean, we in FTO 2448 they did have rules for making robots. Not a whole lot of information about you know uh, the resources necessary to make them, but they you could design a robot. 
and uh, you had some idea of how many credits it would take to 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 create it. So you know, you, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we now know what we want. We go into the space station and we buy the parts we need, you know, and then we once we have it, we can maintain it using our repair skills and such. But uh, but you you know, uh, but that's but like I said, from whole cloth, just basically saying, okay, um, yeah, I I can literally make a robot from with the skills and the and the blueprints and the the various resources that I have, I can literally put together a robot out of you know that kind of stuff. As you know, much like I can put together a scanner, much like I can put together a torpedo, much like I can put because you can build a torpedo. For, you should be able to build a robot. Yeah, I would say so. But they, I'm just saying they just don't seem to do that. So uh, okay, so. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, so the the real question is, is that, you know, uh, if you do do crafting, how do you do it? Okay. Is it literally you just simply say, I make it? Or do you have to buy special equipment in order to do that? You know, do you have to buy a, a, a refiner in order to make some of these materials? Do you have to have a uh, fabricator, a plastic fabricator, a metal fabricator, an electronics fabricator? You know, uh, you know, what what does it take? You know, uh, can can you literally make a person with a uh, <laughs> with a fabricator? You know, we've talked about that in, in one sh movie I was watching. They literally printed, you know, uh, they they printed body parts for people, and uh, and and you just, you could you could see the thing going and basically just you know doing stuff like you know making making an arm and laying down the muscle and laying down the veins and laying down the tendons and stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. Last night on my show, it's on News of the Weird at uexpress.com. Cells from your cheek, feed it with serum from donated blood. Folks, we've hit Soylent Green. You can make steaks out of your own genetic material. I'm reading this on my show last night. And I promised them, I said, no, no, I'm not going to say anything about this. And then I was off to the races, just one after another. And <laughs> a lot of them, if you've heard my show, there are things I can say on my show I cannot say here. But yeah, they apparently in Britain, as part of a contest, you can make meat based out of your own cheek cells and fed with serum from your that blood. That just makes... Because you donate blood to keep... Yeah. It just puts new meaning to the phrase, gives... eat me. Or yeah, bite me, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you're upgrading and you can, you know, print out... Well, I think there is, um, and I want to say it was Robert Downey Jr. in character as Tony Stark offered a basically 3D printed bionic arm for a kid who lost his arm. And as I said, he was totally in character as Tony and offered, and it was Iron Man colored, red and gold, for like this nine-year-old fan of the MCU. And of course the kid was just, you know, pigs oh, and slop were jealous of this it. kid. But it was a 3D printed bionic arm. The fingers moved and the whole, you know, the whole game. Just, yeah. So yeah, I mean, if we're printing out things like that, you would need, in order to make parts on a ship, you would need to have some type of refinement and fabrication material. Now, obviously, depending on the tech level of the game, if it's like Star Trek, oh, we just have our replicator. We just program what we need. In Incursion, you do have to offer um, 
product to increase the chemical stores, either inorganic or organic. And then you go to the, what is it, the the CAD drafter in the fab lab, and then you can make the parts that you need, and they just, you know, come out of the slot right. in the little hopper, and you put it together. Yep. But the ability yeah. to print life forms is something that I, I don't see a lo- happening a lot in most games. That, well, I... Uh, the Enchani Autodoc, if you have the Clone Matrix pack, you can regrow a body. Now, granted, I mean, you could maybe make animals out of that. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think... Yeah, I but think it's because I, I, uh, the designers and the publishers and stuff are afraid of a backlash. Because I don't see any other reason why you would... Because if you could... I mean, for what I've seen in, in, in these really high-tech games, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. Well, I mean, if you sit there and try to make a human being without, you know, a working brain, it's just going to be, well, an automaton that you have to teach yeah, how to you, walk You put a cyber brain in that. You're going to... A yeah. cyber brain or um, uh, like tube grown, you know, VR teach it, you know. But yeah, as far as, yeah, I mean, you could make life forms. And if you have the necessary, you know, the virtual reality to give it download and education into it. Yeah, you could grow life forms. But yeah, I could see a lot of, there would be a lot of persnickety people going, oh, you're playing God in this game. And it gets all religious and. Yeah, I could see where a lot of people would get upset about that, especially right. if their kids are because as we learn, especially you know, the, back in the eighties, the 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 oh so yeah. friendly cuddly Tremellern did this on a regular basis. Oh yeah, they were gods of oh, biotech. Yeah. They'll sit there and you know you you find this giant pod that looks like a wrapped up leaf, and yeah, I just grew a new yeah. friend. Yeah, meet yeah. him. His name's Harvey. Yeah, you know, so he knows astrophysics because they had that. Yeah, because they had that PL-10 tech where... At PL-10, folks, that's like Time Lord technology. The, the, the Tremellon could grow time machines if they wanted to. And so them growing a new friend is nothing. That's how they probably made the Pangolists and the Brupians and, uh, of course, the Slargs. Right. You know? Yeah, we're just going to grow, you know, the Melorc. Whole creche worlds, right. you know. Yep. Okay, so let's move on uh, to our next topic which was skills for archetype roles. Okay, so you're playing a space game. Do we want to have, you know, we, and I think we talked the last time about having archetypes, okay? Do we want to provide skills to enhance those archetypes? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I would think that every type of art, you know, the pilot, the gunner, the navigator, the, the doctor, the scientist, the marine, you want to give them that one skill or talent that you get into that class to have. Yeah, I want a navigator because I want that plus 20 to navigate so in case we get lost, I can get us home, you know. Or I want to be able to fly through, you know, like what was that from Guardians of Galaxy 2? I want to be able to fly through that quantum asteroid field. Yeah, you're going to want, you know, when the comm sensors guy have the improved hacking skills to get in on uh, enemy computers. I think, yeah, you would want that one special talent that if you've become this archetype or this class that you're going so for. you think there should be like a a, a skill path that's, that's unique to the archetype that you're working with? Not not that you can't have other well, skills, yeah, and I mean, but that well, you have... Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you have that, that one set of skills, you know, and, and I'm not going to start with the Liam Neeson taken thing. Um, but yeah, I think that 
in a lot of in a lot of ships, and this is a convention I've seen in sci-fi, and it makes sense. You have a lot of cross training. Counselor Troy was the ship's counselor, but she could take the helm if need be. But still, her main thing was psychological and sociological, social sciences. But she still had to be trained in uh, ops. Same thing. You can you can throw somebody from. Uh, okay, we need this security person here to come over here and pilot the ship right now while the helmsman is down on in the away team. Things like that. But you know when, how can I put this? When the fecal matter hits the oscillating, rotating blade, that security guy is going to come up and pull out his laser pistol and burn a hole between your eyes and then go back to piloting the ship, you know. So yeah, I think that the archetype should have that one special talent that that the skill path prepares And it's a, 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 a talent that shouldn't be available to anybody with a different archetype. Right. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Because that's what the security guy does. That's what the helms guy does. That's what the the captain okay. does. Yeah. All right. And that brings us to our final topic, which is what is money good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's war. Never mind. Anyways. But they're so intelligent. Uh, well, usually, in, yeah. I just yeah. Good God, you all, and I love that line. You sound like a karate movie. No money because you're going to have this interstellar culture. Let's face it. Barter ain't going to work. You're going to have to have some type of currency. I mean, barter might work from time to time, but in order to have a unified interstellar or possibly intergalactic culture, you're going to need currency to buy goods and services to help this this interstellar intergalactic culture survive. Look at Star Wars. They had credits everywhere. And then when regimes rose and fell... You know, yet Wato, oh, Republic credits do not do good here, you know. But right. you still add some because type of Because a farmer cards. who has lots of wheat, you know, can't make a wagon wheel out of that wheat. He needs to be able to trade right. that wheat, you know, to uh, to somebody else. And if that other person, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, can't eat wheat, then that guy is out of, is out of luck. But if he could theoretically sell that wheat to a third person who gave him credits, then he could turn around and buy that wagon wheel from the other guy with those credits, and then everybody got what they wanted. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, civilization, all civilization has a basis in monetary, in money. There, there has to be some form of money if you're going to have a, a civilization, especially one that touches other civilizations. You can't have trade. Uh, uh, outside of your own local area of barter without some form of currency. So, and, and, you know, we, it could be very, it could be something simple where uh, it's just a rare material that uh, can't be reproduced easily or it costs a lot to reproduce it. So only really big concerns can manage to do that. So you can then trade with it. You know, it's not everyone you know, has the ability to uh, print Gold, for example, you know, because gold actually has gone through fusion many, many times in order to be created. So therefore, it's rare. It's going to be rare in the universe. You might have concentrations of it near a uh, uh, near a supernova, but uh, it's still going to be a fairly rare substance in the galaxy. So it might end up being the uh, the species of choice. It's not going to be as good as something electronic. Because then, you know, because electronic gold weighs nothing. And you can fill your cargo holds with something else. 
<laughs> that actually does weigh something and is valuable. So, well, what what is it that my former stepfather in law for my second marriage? What did he tell me? Because he was a pop culture trader going to the Columbus flea market every weekend and selling and bringing back more crap. Something is only as worth as much as whatever right. idiot is willing to pay for it. Yeah, you and a lot of market. games have yeah. multiple types of specie that they use for different things. For example, you might be able to use you know, your, your credits to buy things like uh, fuel or, uh, 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 or, I'm sorry, fuel, food, uh, basic supplies, material for crafting, things like that, okay? But in order to make like high-tech items or items that are really valuable, you might have to have some kind of, you know, quantum nanobot matrix. And that's the only thing you can buy those kinds of things. Uh, and I, I've seen different, you know, so basically yeah. they segment what you can buy with different, you know, with different kinds of species. Um, and some things may only be available as a result of completing quests, especially blueprints. I, I noticed that a lot of blueprints, you only get them yeah. as a result of doing certain, doing quests. So, you know, and that would represent uh, closely guarded information that was only given to people who had proven themselves to be allies of the culture in which you are are are, are dealing with. You know, um, I've also noticed that if you don't have a high enough standing uh, with certain groups, uh, certain factions, they won't even sell you certain things. There's the good stuff, and that's and that can make a big difference if you're trying to be a trader. Because you say, okay, I could buy, you know, all the, you know, uh, all the wiring diagram uh, uh, looms I want, all the, uh, uh, all the raw materials I want, but those like are worth like 200, 300 credits a ton. I mean, I could make a thousand trips back and forth between star systems, and I would barely be making any money at all. But here's this, here's this, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know. Antimatter uh, quantum computer that I can buy, and that costs millions of credits, and I can sell it for trillions of credits somewhere else because of differences of tech level, and I've got the millions of credits to buy it, but they won't sell to me because they don't they don't think I'm they don't like me enough to sell to me. They want to sell it. They want to sell really good stuff only to their friends, and so I have to do more quests for them in order to raise my standing with them. And you know, so I can do that and actually become rich, stinking rich, the way of course a trader would always want to be. So and so, you know, money sometimes isn't good for any is isn't good for anything until you raised your standing in a game among certain groups. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, because you know, theoretically, you should be able to build a starship up from nothing. But a lot of times you can't. You can't craft a starship, but you can buy a starship. So it just depends on how, what kind of systems they have in the, the trading systems, crafting systems, and of course, you know, uh, uh, again, Starpoint Gemini. I wanted a ship that had cloaking. Yoni, Yoni ships that had cloaking were enemy ships, like you know, of the Klingons. I wanted a ship with the, you know, with the ability I had yeah. to board that ship. And take it over. I had to basically pirate that ship, and uh, and then I could switch over to it. And it would be my ship now, and I would have the cloaking that I wanted. Of course, there, 
Their side hated me now because I stole one of their big, you know, things that identified them. So I had a huge enmity with that, that particular faction. But I had the ship I wanted that I couldn't have gotten any other way. So sometimes money isn't good for that either. So, but once I had it, then I could, the, everybody was perfectly willing to sell me parts for that ship. So I could still upgrade everything on it. And, and so gold was still good for that. But, uh, or credits were still good for that. But not everything, yeah. money isn't always good for everything. Money won't necessarily buy you a, uh, a better crew. You might have to offer them, you know, a career path or shares in your uh, in your enterprise, uh, or uh, or again, you might have to go on a quest to earn their loyalty before they're willing to join your crew. Especially if you've uh, taken in that uh, super soldier from the other side who uh, you're trying to woo into a good relationship with you. And it's like, you know, we don't have to be, you know, it's just, I'm not actually against your side, okay? I just happen to live in the, uh, in the, in the world who, who are ruled by the faction that's at war with you. I'm not at war with you. We can be friends, you know? And it's like, you know. Sometimes the true money is the friends we made along the way. Yep. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one thing that we didn't really talk about is that, do you like games that are generational, where your character actually grows old and dies, and you have to pick up from the offspring of that character? I have yet to play one of those games in a, in a like space uh, sense. I mean, aside from like Stellaris, but that's more of a you know space empire type game. Uh, but I have I have been working on plans for a little while now of of a a sci-fi campaign based on a generation ship. Okay. All right. Well, and, you know, the characters can grow old and die and be replaced by their their descendants. Yeah, or you know, ah. you can you, your your character gets old and you uh uh steal the body from your de- de- descendants and take it and take over and continue it on. Ooh. Which by the, which which spoilers is wow. uh the basis for uh, one of the uh, altered carbon movies. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Because in that uh, it, uh, it, that particular show is all about people who are digital personalities that are inside of something that is put into their into a brain. It's called a stack, and it basically has all their knowledge and personality and everything. And they literally plug download it into a body, and you're now wearing. And they call those sleeves, and you're now wearing a different body. And as, if you're rich, you can afford backups. So, uh, and that means that if you die, then they, and that you paid ahead to, uh, uh, to have a new sleeve available, they'll download you into a new sleeve and you're alive again. Uh, I'll bet you have lost the information that happened in between your last backup and current, you know, but you can still, yeah, you know, yeah, continue yeah. your character on, you know, with, and have it make a certain amount of sense. Okay, and of course the the, the ultimate you know uh, if you really hate somebody you shoot them in their stack causing true death or what they call real death because if if it's uh, if you don't have yeah. a backup and they shoot you in the stack you're gone it's forever so uh, so that's that's one thing I haven't seen I uh, you know I if it's a game that has really a sense of scope to it I like it but most role playing games I've played 
take place in a very short amount of time. And so that really doesn't happen. You know, it's uh, I've tried doing it in D&D. Uh, one time I said between each adventure, uh, like at least one year passed, sometimes more. And so characters actually aged and actually had a reason to have children. But most games I've seen have always been, you know, you're, you're, not, you're, you're unlikely to do more than go up maybe a rank or two. Or you might, you know, you're, you you go on one epic quest line and when it's over, it's, that's, you start new characters. You don't like move on, continuing on the campaign. So that's, uh, uh, the closest I've come to that has been in, uh, Fringeworthy where I kept moving them from the beginning. I, I had the same players that said, okay, we're playing the early campaign. And then at a certain point I said, okay, now we're going to move into the middle campaign. It's 20 years later. You guys make new characters, but now they know more about the fringe paths. You have more resources. You know, you're going to have more, you know, more resources to work with until finally, for the last five or so years, I've been playing the late campaign where they're, they don't understand, my players do not understand how much tech is available to them. They continue to play the game as if it's the middle campaign when they're literally walk, they, they, they have nanotech. They have like cyber tech available to them. And they just oh, don't, yeah. they just don't, uh, they could have robots, you know, helping them out, walk, you know, walking around with them, but they don't do it because uh, they just don't think of that. They just, you know, they're still driving the Muscovy thinking that they're limited to 1950s technology because on the French pass, they are. But once you get off the French pass, it's a whole different story. So anyways, uh, I, uh, I would, yeah. I would like to see something of that scope. But I'm gonna. I would. Uh, I would like to experience it before I basically get behind it. But uh, as something that isn't in games, I don't know whether it should. Maybe it's just you know reaching reaching too high for something when they, there's other things closer by that could that could uh, you could get better bang for your buck out of. I don't know. But uh, that was my my last thought. So. Uh, Everybody, thanks for being us on this journey. These two uh, all together, four released episodes uh, on how to make the uh, the uh, great space game. Uh, we hope that you'll be looking for games that have these qualities in them, so that you can enjoy really, you know, uh, maximize your leisure time. Maybe finding the thing that really jazzes you that you might not have been able to find before, and maybe even find a game that lets you do some real role playing. Uh, because that's why I got into all this in the first place was uh, I you know I wanted my I wanted to imagine myself doing these things and role playing games was my ticket to doing that so uh, hopefully you uh, will play some of the games we mentioned because we think they're all great games and we'll have more for you next week but you'll have to wait until then this is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.